Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hope you are all well, witches. On today's episode, we are talking ancestral connection with Callie White, ancestral healing practitioner. She is the creatrix responsible for the month-long exhibition, I Am Witch Tales from the Roundhouse, that took place in Lancaster, UK in 2022. This is being followed this year by a four-day festival of history and healing called The Witches Revival. Callie will be talking to us about how ancestral connection links to our well-being and how we can reclaim our ancestral witchy powers. Before we get into our book review, I just wanted to explain why I've been so quiet I finally moved into my house after having the keys for a little while. I was stuck in my old place with the sale. I moved in a couple of weeks ago and I truly underestimated the impact that moving and selling and, you know, all the stress would have on me. I just kind of crumbled once we got here. My nervous system was an absolute mess. I was just burnt out after 15 months of selling and moving stress. It's still going on in some respects. It's certainly been one of the worst processes I've gone through. It definitely has done a number on my mental health. I know this is very much first world problems, Moving just does weird things to you. The selling process is truly archaic. On the plus side, where we are is amazing. We have wheat and cornfields on our road. There are tons of footpaths through fields. I have been out in the wild spotting bats, red kite hawks, rabbits, swallows, skylarks, all manner of butterflies. I've been a real townie examining everything and it's it's definitely helped my mental health in getting me back together after so much stress. I also joined the local library, which is so cute. It's a really tiny one. It's only open for a few hours a day, run by volunteers. When I was in there, the vicar was in there and I just heard this lady ask him, are you doing the service on Sunday, vicar? And I just felt like I was a character in an episode of Last of the Summer Wine or Midsummer Murders or something like that. It was giving me that main character energy of that woman who relocates to the tiny countryside village and I'm here for it. 
I must say, I was really impressed with our little library, even more so because on joining, I realised that once you register, a lot of the books that they have in circulation in the borough are amazing. I went through my entire Goodreads account and I found around 90% of the books on my wish list to read are within the library circulation and I've managed to save a little wish list on my library account of ones that I want to read to remind me. I've already managed to pick up a number of them or reserve them and you can also, depending on where you are, use there's like a Libby app which is free. Certain other areas have other online apps and these will have audio books on them or books that you can read on a device. I have been in former years a real book consumer and it's a lot of money. Like it's a lot of money saving, like collecting books. You know, I do buy a lot of secondhand books. I use sites like World of Books and so on. This is by no means sponsored by the Library of World of Books or anything like that. But I just think that it is worth me supporting my local library more. So I'm on a book ban currently and working on me just borrowing library books. I even managed to pick up our book for our August Literary Witches Coven read on there. And one of our lovely Patreons said about libraries being the lifeblood of a community. And I happen to agree. Perhaps you might consider using your own library. A lot of the books I have recommended on the show, you should definitely be able to find copies there. If I really love a book after borrowing it from the library, I will buy a copy to keep. I just realise how lucky I am to have access to these facilities and so many lovely books to borrow. So there you have it, my new intention. Talking about the Literary Witches Coven and Patreon, our book for August is The Change, written by Kirsten Miller, if you want to join us for that. Anyway, the book I borrowed from the library is absolutely amazing. That book is Magic Lessons by Alice Hoffman. This is the author of Practical Magic. If you loved the film Practical Magic, you will adore this book with every fibre in your being. This is an amazing one. I say that after reading her other book, The Rules of Magic, which I didn't enjoy so much. This is part of the Practical Magic story. I've never read Practical Magic as I have been warned that the film was so different to the book. I love the film so much, I didn't want to ruin it. So just stayed clear of that book. This book, however, if this was made into a film during the 90s, much like the original Practical Magic, this, in my humble opinion, would be an absolute classic. I say that as the 90s smashed it on the witch films front with films like Hocus Pocus, Practical Magic, The Addams Family, and of course, a little bit later on in the noughties with Harry Potter. This book is the true origins of the Owens family, specifically Maria Owens, and what a character she is. Here is the book's blurb. 
For centuries, the women of the Owens family have been cursed. Any man who loves an Owens woman will die. It begins with a baby abandoned in a snowy English field in the 1600s. Gentle Hannah Owens takes the baby in and as the child grows, Hannah teaches little Maria about the unnamed arts. Maria has a gift for them, a gift that may well prove her undoing. When Maria is abandoned by the man she loves, she invokes the curse that will haunt her family for centuries because magic has rules and they must be obeyed. Maria Owens was everything you could ask for as a witchy protagonist. She has her own crow. She travels a good part of the world. She is absolutely fearless, despite how life attempts to smash the crap out of her spirit. A true wild woman in every sense of the word, right down to her red witchy boots that she prizes. This is one of the coziest witch books I have read in a long time. The writing is so beautiful. Despite it being a chunky book, I could not put this down. Absolutely enchanted. We get to understand the Owens sisters' curse, but I was more interested in their practice of providing magic to women, especially around love. There is much to be said about love throughout this book, family and romantic love. The relationships throughout this book are beautiful, be it mother and daughter, teacher and lover, plus the acquaintances they meet along the way. There are some great villains too, who you will love to hate. This book is up there for me with The Secret History of Witches, another of my faves. I wholeheartedly recommend, give this five out of five, Great if you want to reconnect with being a witch and feeling witchy as hell. Let me leave you with these words from the book, which caused me to shed a little tear. Drink chamomile tea to calm the spirit. Feed a cold and starve a fever. Read as many books as you can. Always choose courage. Never watch another woman burn. Know that love is the only answer. Join me after the break to talk all about ancestral connections. Welcome back. I am here with the wonderful Callie White. Hello, Callie. Love to have you on. <laughs> Thank you, Carly. It's great to be here. <laughs> I'm ever so excited because I have been following Callie's journey for a little while now. So Callie is a psychotherapist and ancestral healing practitioner focused on healing the generational wounds rooted in the European witch hunts of 1450 to 1750. Her work is born out of her own ancestral healing journey, which included a 13 moon pilgrimage around the UK and Ireland, which she undertook in 2019 as a way of deepening her own ancestral connections. 
Guided by spirit, she gathered women in ceremony every full moon to honor the women persecuted as witches and to bring healing to the collective trauma patterns of separation. This led to a pioneering month-long exhibition called I Am Witch Tales from the Roundhouse in Lancaster, UK in 2022, which is being followed this year by a four-day festival of history and healing called The Witches Revival. Mally believes that ancestral connection is a key to health and well-being and is passionate about helping others reclaim their ancestral witchy powers. Oh, it's so exciting. <laughs> <laughs> and we are meeting today on an actual full moon as well, which feels very poignant. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's great to have you on today, Callie. Callie, there's so much I want to get into with you, but I must admit, off the bat, I'm a witch who has often resisted looking into my ancestors and ancestral healing, much like someone would in respect of shadow work. Can okay. you give, <laughs> I'm just being really honest here, can you yeah, give yeah. us some insight into ancestral connection and why you believe it's important to delve into? Yeah, great place to start. And um yeah, the resistance, you're not alone in that. I, I think that's true for, for lots of us. And, you know, the, the ancestral realm and ancestral connection is a very rich place to go. And it's one that's really, it's, it, well, it's changed my life, to be honest. Um, and, 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 and that's, you know, that's why I'm really passionate about kind of, you know, sharing more about it and, um just you know it's like an invitation for people to think a little bit more about it and because we are when when we so I guess that the, the, a helpful way to start a place to start to think about this is mm. we have when when you hear the word ancestor most of us would would think about recent ancestors like sometimes parents depending on how old we are sometimes parents or grandparents or aunties or uncles but people who we have known in our lives that have passed over so they're, they're kind of like the recent ancestors you know the ones whose stories are still accessible and known within our family dynamic then we have the ancient ancestors so then we can think about the, all of the people that went before us and so you know this for me this really came alive in the in the context of history so like we you know we have history lessons at school and and for me the, I found history a bit boring because what I realized now was it didn't really have any context mm -hmm. and with, with ancestral work it's like oh like if if I go all the way back through the timeline of this land, right? I'm from, I'm from England. Um, I'm from, you know, from the UK. So this land, um, my lineage, you know, goes all the way back through. You've got the Normans that invaded, the Anglo-Saxons, the Vikings, the Romans, the, the Celtic people, and all the way back to the Neolithics. So it's like starting to think about those people that's not something abstract they were mm -hmm. real people from whom i have 
descended from and and through doing that we can gain so much in our life in our modern lives today like if you what part of my search was um you know i i was searching for some kind of spiritual connection and i'd gone to other um other traditions other belief systems other cultures to try and find that the native american culture was was one that really drew me i think because of the connection to the land and yeah. you know they we talk about indigenous roots and I, and so i the, you know the question came what where are my indigenous roots uh, they're there but i i have to go back 2000 years to find them to kind of the you know the neolithic and the celtic times the stone circles the long barrows but if you look at any indigenous culture they all honor and revere their ancestors and yeah. we we find that our ancestors here did that too if you go up to the neolithic um the village up in uh, up on the orkneys for example the yeah. the that they've they've discovered bodies like skeletons like grave the the barrows um in the homes and under the doors of the of the homes right so that that's like you know imagine burying your grandparents at the threshold of your house of wow. your home it's like that that kind of tells us something about the importance of the ancestors to those people and you know in in times when life was about survival and there wasn't like you can't just nip down to the corner shop for milk yeah. or bread right you, you know and you can't you know there's no you, the clothes that you wear you have someone you or someone in your tribe has had to make them right you have to hunt the animals for the leather or you know the the sheep for the wool or whatever like the, no, uh, the ancestral wisdom was fundamental to survival. Like the, you couldn't take anything for granted. And mm -hmm. so it, so that, that, you know, for me, that was the question of like, wow, what the, the ancestors are really important and okay, I'm not so dependent on the wisdom these days, but by thinking about them by honoring them by bringing them into my life what i've found uh, i mean it's just it's like i said it's been life changing so it's like it's a it's the, it's really given me a sense of who i am and where i've come from like an anchor point into my own life that that i am part of a continuum i i'm not alone here like uh, there are hundred you know imagine if you just take, you imagine your mother's behind you, then your grandmother, then your great-grandmother and great-great, like it goes back and back and back for thousands of years. There's like, you only have to go back 11 generations and there's 2,048 people just like from your mother and your father standing behind you. 2,048 people in 11 generations that, you know, you're carrying their direct bloodline. It's like That's mind. It's it, isn't that mind blowing? Like when you yeah. when, when you draw that out, 
you know, you've got two parents, four grandparents, eight great grandparents, 16, 32, 64, you know, go, it double, it doubles, it doubles. Like the, all these people. And what I found is, you know, that we can talk about the gifts and the wounds within ancestral work. And the gifts are like, you know, like these people, they were strong, they were resilient, they were creative, they were resourceful that, you know, they, they, they have like every single one of their lives matters. Like mm -hmm. if one of them hadn't survived to give birth or, you know, we wouldn't be here now in the, in the form that we are like in this life and, and all of those strengths and gifts, the resilience, the creativity, the intelligence that, you know, all of it's like that, that all of that memory is, is in our bones. Like it's in our DNA it's accessible, it's available to us. And when we start, what I found is, you know, with regular practice, with regular honoring, that starts to come through, like, and it, and it, and it gives us a, 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 a it, yeah, you know, builds our resilience. It, it builds a, a stronger sense of who we are and that our lives matter, that the decisions we make affect the future generations. Um, and that, you know, we have power, we have control, we have, you know, when we're not victims here, we, we have agency and autonomy and, uh, and, and with that comes empowerment for our own lives, like we can make choices. Um, so there's a, there, there's a lot, you know, and just like grounding, like I, so, you know, we are, we're living in a really fast paced very complex time especially with technology and life demands so much of us like we're pulled this way we're pulled that way we've got so many priorities and it can be easy to lose ourselves in that and so you know just slowing down a bit and, and anchoring into our ancestral connection can be like a way home it can really ground us into what's important here what really matters to me what can I let go of um you know how can I simplify my life and in that make more space for all the good stuff of joy and connection and you know all of that so um so that that you know that that's kind of like my my way in of like laying out the the ancestral store um, and I, 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 yeah, like there's so much to be gained, positive stuff to be gained from that. And I, I read about a study recently with children um, where they found that children who had an understanding of their family history right so mm. kids that had a you know like you're sitting around the Sunday dinner table which you know do we still do how many people still do that yeah um, you know <laughs> but but kids that were told the stories of people in their family their ancestors you know they were told about their grandfather that you know maybe died before they were born or they were told about their aunties or their uncles or whatever they when they when they, when kids have a sense of their family their levels of resilience increased and so when when stressful events happened 
those kids with a sense of who they were, with a sense of their family connection, fared much better than the kids who didn't have. So it, you know, that and that that speaks volumes to me. Powerful um, stuff, absolutely. Oh my goodness. I, I, I find that study fascinating. And yes, you're right. We don't, I think there is a tendency to often as a collective look forward and not always look back. And I have long had a bit, <laughs> I've always had a bit of an obsession of going through, you know, the old stories with um, my parents and grandparents when they were around and so on. And, um, you know, my, I think my parents always used to think I was a little bit odd because I just always wanted to not live in the past, but always regurgitate all the old stories over and over again. And you do find certain ancestors or people that, you know, you hear stories of that really do resonate with you or that you feel a particular fascination with but also I think we underestimate how interesting people in our family might be because you know sometimes you think that these legends are out there in you know in history in you know in other people's families and you know and um when you go through your um, background of your own there's certain characters within mind that are just fascinating some that might have had less stories but their nature was lovely and you know you'd hear all about that through other members of the family um I'll get a funny little story with my own because I was going to ask you about kind of getting into researching and looking at your ancestral lines um we've got a member of our family who did a whole family tree and she went back centuries, centuries and centuries. But the funny thing was that it was almost like she looked at it through how she wanted it to look and appear. And um, she was a little bit hyacinth bouquet, this particular member of my family, I have to be really careful. And it was almost like my dad said, well, I remember this member of the family and it's like she's eradicated them. <laughs> She just, you know, like, no, no, they're not good enough for our family. They're not staying in it. Till we got to the point where I think it got a little bit bandy. And she was like, yes, I'm sure we're related to Swedish aristocracy. And my dad's there like, uh, not sure about that. <laughs> I think you may have to do it for yourself to check the, you know, the, that it's actually genuine. And um, yeah, because I think some people can get a little bit romanticised with it. And, you know, there's good and bad through every lineage. But it was just really, um, sadly, uh, a, a, maybe a little bit of a history that I won't kind of trust all of it within. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think I'd be very keen to look into my own and I wondered, Callie, if you had any ways that what you did yourself to look at your 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 background. Yeah. The, okay. So there's quite a few different ways in, and what I've found over the last few years with you know working with people and running workshops on this and stuff is that we all have a different way. Like it's what's important is we find our own way, and tracing our family tree like you've just described is one way and these days with you know with all the websites like ancestry.com and 123me and all of that there the the whole field is becoming it's opening up and it's becoming easier mm. um although you know you you have to submit your your dna to them so that you know you need to think about that if that's what, right for you or not in using those websites but yeah tr tracing the family tree 
it, is, it can be a fascinating journey. And, um, you know, I, I worked with, and, and then, you know, so the, 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 you know, what, what goes alongside that is why are we doing it? What, what, what's the purpose of it? And for me, it's about, it's, it's about healing and growth, right? So I've talked about yeah. a lot of the, there's a lot of the gifts, a lot of the strengths and the resilient re resiliences and, you know, what, and sometimes we can find like, um, oh, this person was a glove maker and I love, you know, and I've got this like, you know, passion for sewing and gloves and I, I had no idea where that came from. And, you mm -hmm. know, three, three generations removed, there's a, there's a, an aunt that was a glove maker or whatever. So we can kind of like find out more about ourselves and our interests and what we're called to through it. And also then come the wounds, right? That you, and you yeah. just started to touch on that. So, you know, there, there's gifts and there's wounds and in every family tree, there are people who were kind and loving and people who weren't. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so it's almost, you know, it's like, this is where, the, where why are we doing this like for our own healing we it, what the ancestors can show us is like mirrors to our own good bits and bad bits our you know that our shadow and our light um yeah. and and seeing that we have the capacity for all of it is is really important it's humbling it's you know it, it helps build compassion it helps build empathy like you know there's so many reasons to do it so family if tracing your family tree is is good and and i just a, an example is of one way of working with that so there was one of the women that was part of the exhibition last year she had traced her generation her mother line so mom, mother grandmother great grandmother etc the women of that length of the that blood lineage back 13 generations wow. and she had and she had all of the names and she had some of the stories and um, you know she had some factual things and obviously you go back 13 generations you're in the 1700s so the the facts were were missing and so she she used the sh a shamanic journey technique like a, a way of connecting that with them energetically spiritually whatever you want to call that and what she did was she'd been collecting these beautiful handmade white lace handkerchiefs for the last god knows how many however many years and she had no idea why she was collecting them and she got to this piece of work and she realized she had 13 oh <laughs> And so she used them, one for each of the women, and then embroidered their names. And, the, you know, she had their dates of birth and dates of death and sometimes where they lived and when they were married and stuff. And then and, and so she embroidered a hanky for each of them to to honor them, to, you know, to kind of as a place for holding the information about them some of the the you know what came through in her journeys about them and then stitched them all together in this big long beautiful like you know li like a, a lineage a, mm. a piece of cloth and that that was her that was her piece for the exhibition and it was just it was beautiful it was beautiful and you know that's something that she is going to treasure forever and then pass to her daughter and you know, maybe it becomes a tradition. So, 
there's some really you know beautiful ways we can we can work with our ancestors um that you know bring in our creativity that bring in ritual that bring in ceremony um uh, one of the simplest ways is to create an ancestral altar be that in your home or in your garden it, you know it could have photographs it can have objects from nature it can have you know objects that have been passed down through the family you can make stuff it can, you know there's absolutely no right or wrong a candle but just having somewhere in your home that you know when you, you pass by it, it it like it triggers the oh my ancestors you know it brings them into your awareness it brings them into your consciousness that they are there that they're part of me that I'm part of them um that they're part you know that my story is connected to theirs um so that that you know that's a really simple way um, and you know we we you know, I'm sure most of your listeners will already have altars and I'm sure many people have got ancestral altars but using them as living breathing things um, yeah can be you know really magical um the and the other thing is you know that that so that so there's the near ancestors the recent ancestors but then the the more ancient ones and then you know and connecting back with our indigenous roots for me it was about walking the land it was about going to stone circles going to burial chambers long barrows learning about the history just you know going slow taking time sitting there for hours sometimes and just listening just feeling and listening and dropping in um and and it's incredible you know some of the magic that happens in these places and and, and also you know getting into our getting into our history in a, with, with the through the lens of ancestors was also really powerful for me so like I on my pilgrimage like I would go to I went to you know Hastings the Bat Battle of Hastings and learn all about that and um, the Jorvik Centre in York and learn about the Vikings and I went to the Shakespeare Centre in um in Stratford and is it not Stratford yeah Stratford and you know kind of went, went into Shakespeare and his times and the history of that and you know it's all through the you know ev everywhere we have such a rich history uh, yeah. on this on this land and like the, the you know the old stories the Celtic stories like this uh, Scotland's just oozing with it Wales and Ireland that you know it's like everywhere so you know the old stories learning the old stories walking the land going to the sacred places the historical sites um is you know it's a magical journey we can take on we can you know we can take that that it's all about learning about ourselves ultimately bringing ourselves home to who we really are and what really matters um so yeah I, I hope that I don't know if that helps. Kelly, <laughs> you've got my brain going. So there's a few things I wanted to kind of contribute to this because the first thing you said was about your connection to the land and how you were saying about the indigenous people. Funnily enough, we're reading braiding sweet grass by Chimera oh, in yeah within Patreon for our literary witches coven. And there's a okay. lot that she talks on that. And that book is 
so valuable for looking at the connection with the land of the indigenous people but I also feel the same with you and I found that I was very into like root work and so on and the more and more I looked at my background I started to piece together and realise for me a lot of the cunning folk work always relates very similarly to some of the root work like a lot of the old folk magic so mm -hmm. that sort of set me off on a little bit of um it's amazing how much I think ancestral work can really if you're a practicing witch or you know if you just your spiritual beliefs and so on it can really kind of infiltrate into what you do there because for me that really set me off on my hedge witch sort of path um once I got to understand more about ancestrally you know what we did with the land and and little things that it came into magic even my dad has got stories of my great grandmas and things like that and little things that they did which were incredibly witchy but they wouldn't have thought it at the time but also um you know so there are certainly like our own links to the land throughout our own um histories as I know you touched on which I found fascinating but also coming back to the kids aspect and obviously talking to them about ancestors and so on one of the ways that really ran through our family with that was food because my grandma was a real amazing cake maker and baker she'd always make a lot of the old recipes and I feel like that's kind of filtered into my craft as well by continuing those recipes keeping those past my daughter things like that you know some of them are like you know years and years old from like my great grandmother great great grandmother and my nan would tell me all the stories of of those through creating those dishes and so on which I find with children was a wonderful way to share those stories and for them to have an interest in it and obviously there's food at the end of it so always a, always a joy <laughs> <laughs> um, but but for me kind of the ancestral work that I have done which isn't a huge amount um, a bit like you, like the fascination of who we are connected to. I found out I had loads of Swedish ancestry. So obviously that got my craft to be very Norse based. I started mm -hmm. to look into the Norse gods. And, you know, it's even, you know, looking at the, um, you know, the Saxons and everything. It, it's amazing how much it can just pique your interest and set you off down rabbit holes. And you're like, I'm going to start doing this. And that's got me interested in this deity or this way of living. So it really is, you know, life enhancing and can really make your life richer through, through doing these as well. Um, <laughs> tell me about to yeah. the <laughs> Sorry, yeah, Kelly, yeah. yeah, that. No, no, and I, <laughs> and I, I think, yeah, you're, you're, that's so true. And that's why I say like it's a personal journey for all of us it's different for all of us and what we see through the lineages is that we are we're, we're so mixed up now as a you know as a you know what does it mean to be British like we've got Normans we've got Vikings we've got Anglo-Saxons we've got Romans we've got you know we're, we're so mixed up and and some of us are called to different places some of us are you know we're called lots of witchy women are called to the you know to Egypt or to South yeah. America or you know it's like there's no right or wrong with this if we're doing it with awareness and reverence and what's really important is we follow our own thread like this thread the ancestors offer us threads that are you know in deep in our psyche 
and the 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 magic comes when we say yes to following that thread and just being open to seeing where it takes us and what feels right and wrong you know right and wrong for us what feels right for us that's really important with this so yeah I, uh, I, I love that you're a bit Swedish. <laughs> oh, so I great. did when I found out. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I was really shocked, actually. But no, I think all of the, I think, you know, all the bits that I've found have been particularly fascinating. And yeah, I, I definitely want to get more into it. And I'm basing that off of just records we've, we've got without even doing DNA tests or anything like that. Um, I wanted to ask you, because that kind of, this is what I was, um you, you know touching on when I said about the ancestral work because I mean how do you see ancestral issues affect an individual in the work that you do okay so we're gonna yeah let's we're gonna get into the the wound side of it now and um th there's for, for me there's there's two there's two levels to this what one is the personal level and the other is the collective level yeah. so on a on a personal level like we so science has proven now through epigenetics that trauma is passed down through the generations right so we are it's like we're you know we're carrying the wounds of our ancestors um you know an, an example of that is grief like if, if you know there's a there's there's a wisdom quote that says grief is passed down through the generations until somebody is willing to feel it so if you know if, when when we when we trace our when I, when we trace our lineages and we start to think about our ancestors like uh, you know life lives were really hard for so many people like you know when when you look at the themes of what our ancestors have lived through like displacement from land from homes um like you know struggling to survive and earn a living the loss of babies you know like in it, not so long ago women were having like you know seven eight nine ten eleven twelve babies and the you know the mortality rate was the infant mortality rate was really high and you know one in two I think it's one in two babies died before the age of two back in the 1600s so you know there's 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 a lot of loss there's you know there's grief in the in the lineage in the field um that 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 for me hasn't you know wasn't always worked out wasn't worked through there's um that we you know we'll get onto the witch hunts because that's like a whole thing in itself mm -hmm. um but we are we can be carrying repressed or you know unprocessed trauma from the lives of our ancestors um so you know an, an example so a woman I, I worked with was exploring motherhood and this like part in her head she wanted to have children but mm -hmm. it her in her heart and in her body it was like she was afraid there was this massive fear and this big block and you know she did lots of inner work and and was trying to figure it out and get to the bottom of it and then then kind of started to to connect with her ancestors and went to visit an old grandmother that was you know she hadn't kind of really had a relationship with um growing up and she spent spends a couple of days with this grandmother 
who tell you know and, and asking questions and they're talking about the stories and what she finds is that the her this grandmother's mother the great-grandmother had lost like you know nine out of ten babies wow so there was like there's this this huge fear then of you know if imagine that like you have a baby and you lose it and then you have another baby and you lose it and you have a baby and you lose it and you know are they going to survive like there's this fear that the babies aren't going to survive and when when things like this happen you know it's like this goes deep into our psyche into our unconscious on levels that we, we can be so unaware of because we're so our, our attention is so consumed with the busyness of the day and you know getting breakfast ready and getting the kids ready for school and getting this done and getting to work and a little like we, we but when we really drop in this is why slowing down is really important and making time for ourselves is really important in our practice that you know that these things are still in these things are we're, we're holding these things we're carrying these things that haven't originated in us and so hearing that story for this woman just made everything make sense that's yeah that's a you know it's a great example of how things are are passed down especially fear you know so when we're talking about the wounds we're talking about you know the 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 shadow the the parts of ourselves that we don't want to own we don't want to look at we don't want to even acknowledge is there sometimes sometimes we don't even know it's there but we're talking about our grief we're talking about our rage we're talking about fear and we're talking about shame you know like if you so shame is a massive one for us as women um and the you know, if you, if you think about, if you just, if you go back to the Victorian times, like I, so you, you have the the witch hunts that were kind of like 1500s, 1600s yeah. um, on the whole. Um, and then we get into the, the 1700s and the Industrial Revolution and then the 1800s and the Victorian times. It's like the, the oppression of women, the like the tightening of women and what what women were allowed to do and what was appropriate and what wasn't and you know the conformity it's like it 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 increases and increases and increases and it's like i i kind of see the victorian times as the real pinnacle of like you know the top of the that that was the most oppressed time and it's just there's so much fear like the you know the, the your um was it your auntie we're talking about who's erased people out of the family tree because they weren't good enough right they weren't yeah. <laughs> of a yeah. good enough standing like that was a that was a massive concern for victorian times like we you know there's a the, the, it brings us to the class system in this country which is still very alive and well and like it, you know let, let, let's think about that let's have a think you know really challenge that thinking and, and try and understand it and where you know is that is it helpful or how does it hold us back because in reality you know we can do we we're so we you know we have freedoms we can we can do what we want like we can live our lives how we want at the minute anyway (laughs) um in this in this country so 
some of those the, the fear and the oppression and the, the beliefs and the behaviors get passed down so there's the there's that it passes down on the personal level so doing our personal ancestral work can help understand and open up things for us on that level but then understanding the collective is also really important and this is where you know for me this is where I got really got into the history of the witch hunts mm. you know I, I, I you know I never really I was never really called to the to the to the witch before this and you know I wasn't someone that you know practiced magic or you know I was kind of you know I was on a spiritual journey and I was rooting into the land but I would never I would never have called myself a witch like mm. I still I still have trouble with that in some instances um but the what, what I uncovered so when I was doing training to be an ancestral healing practitioner um using a shamanic drum journey technique like using that as the as the way of accessing I was practicing every day and it was the ancestors from the witch hunts from the burning times that started to come through in my journeys and they would show me what happened to their lives um, and that was like then seeing and they were, it was the mirror and then understanding what I was carrying in my own body somatically and 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 they weren't all witches it was what what they showed me was how life like the witch hunts affected everyone in the community men women and children and the, and uh, and what we're dealing with is is the is the whole dynamic of victim and perpe perpetrator and that we can, we can be both right we're not all the victims here yeah. Um, we can be horrible we can yeah. be cruel we can be nasty we have that I'm not saying we all are but we have the capacity to be right and it's it's rooted in survival it's rooted in yeah. group you know group think and group you know the in group the out group and it, again it's like you, you go back to our indi the indigenous times and and people living in in tribes you needed the tribe to survive. The tribes were smaller. You knew everybody in them. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. 80 to 100 people. And so some of, some of the dynamics that are playing out now 
are a natural evolutionary part of what it means to be human, right? We want to be liked, we want to belong, we want to be part of the group. Mm-hmm. But it's like the the drive and the motivation for that has become <clears throat> so over exaggerated, like our like our lives depend on it. Yeah. When yeah. when they when they actually don't. Like we don't, you know, so how, how this, I, I, I'm just going here, Colin. I hope that's all right. I'm, I'm, yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm, I am topic, with you on this but, and I can certainly kind of add to this, but no, keep going, Kelly. So I'm completely with, with you where this point is going. So the, the you know, the we're talking about the collective field and, yeah. the, you know, and, and, and what it's, what it, what it took to survive. And during the witch hunts, um the witch hunts yes were born out of the the catholic church to a degree mm-hmm. and the the malleus maleficarum was written by a dominican monk with mm-hmm. support from the pope at the time and it is probably one of the most misogynistic books you could ever read yeah um and that was, you know, it was it was written at the time of the printing, the invention of the printing press. So it was one of the first books that went nationwide and across Europe. So, it, you know, it fell into the hands of those who had power at the time, right? The the church, the 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 gentry, the landowners, the you know what have you. And so, so yes, we can we can see that you know at the beginning there was the it came from above like hunting out witches the the belief that witches were in league with the devil had renounced christ and their baptism and were a danger like they were you know they were their magic was evil Mm. um and they needed to be rooted out that that kind of came top down to begin with but what we see as it evolves and, and it's you know it's a complex period of history but and it's different for each European country. But what you know, what what we see here, in particularly in England and in Scotland, is communities, people within the community turning against each other. So yeah. w- women, women turning against women becoming the accusers. Mm. Um, men not being able to protect their wives children having to witness you know what happens to their mother because she's been a little bit outspoken and you know this was a time of um, immense fear and and huge suspicion like you know we it's times of war it's times of famine there's there's been plagues um that you know the the church is is becoming increasingly dogmatic um and so fear and you know fear and anxiety is is high amongst the population and then suspicion arises easily so something uh, you know if you think about like we talk about there's evidence that lots of the women persecuted as witches were older women yes and in in those days yeah so older women this is a time when women weren't legally allowed to earn money for themselves their their labor wasn't 
rewarded financially. So you actually did need a man to survive or a family. And if you didn't have that, which many women didn't because men, you know, had gone off to war and lost their lives or had died in accidents or fires or, you know, whatever. There were a lot, you know, high, high numbers of widows who were dependent on their communities for for to survive right so imagine you you go to your neighbor you want a cup of milk or something and that and the neighbor hasn't got anything to spare and and says no and you kind of you know you the, the old woman's cold and tired and grumpy and she's kind of walks down the garden path muttering under her breath friggin' schmiggin' yeah. riggin you know and then two weeks later this the neighbor's cow dies yeah, of a, yeah. You know, of a bacterial infection, but that's something that they don't know anything about in those days. It would be, it's easy to make the conclusion that the old woman's cursed the cow, therefore mm. she's a witch, therefore she needs to be rooted out, therefore the village, you know, bands together against her. So, well, you know, what the, the how this the, the dynamics affected men and women, but it, you know, and my work particularly is focused on the, the dynamics in the relationships between women, because I, you know, I, I, I've done a lot of women's work over the years, sat in lots of women's circles, and always had this sense of slight, you know, mistrust. Can I really trust this? What, you know, yeah, yeah, do these women really have my back? And then, yeah. you know, noticing my own shadows around, you know, when I when I would judge or criticize other women, when I felt envious about them, when I, you know, I was constantly comparing myself to other women. Um, these are all dynamics that to a degree are a normal part of being human, yeah. but have been massively amplified and exaggerated by the trauma that's been passed down through the generations. And I I really saw a root of this in the times of the witch hunts. I think that's, this conversation is so powerful, especially what you said about older women. And there's two, there's two things that come up for me, I feel in modern day, and maybe I'm wrong on this, but it's kind of a, a repeated theme that I see where, Obviously, when it came to uh, persecution or so on, it was the older woman because, you know, like when they were like, you know, the younger woman, they had more value. They were still perhaps at marriage age, childbearing age. Um, you know, a lot of the things that I've read are obviously as the women got older, they were less willing to kind of not say anything when they were being persecuted you know they, they would sort of um fight back a bit more and I feel like the crone aspect is still such an issue nowadays around aging and how we respond to aging and how we um you know we still feel that we've got this need to perpetually look young and not embrace getting older and I feel like some of that's tied to that as well because you know, people being shunned as they get older. Um, that's one thing that I feel that perhaps is maybe messages that I've heard through being a woman, growing up, things that are said to you, and they have got very old origins. 
Um, I actually want, there's an episode for the podcast that I'm going to do on the crone um, because I feel this is a really important topic. And um, I do feel like there is this element in the collective currently where we're always kind of fighting getting old and always you know I'm not I'm not somebody to I'm always live and let live do what you want to yourself but there is a lot of this collective we must continue to be young and not age and so on whereas a little part of me is the opposite and I see um aging is a wonderful thing and my mum's always encouraged and we've had a lot of conversations around this but I do feel, believe for women as a collective there is a lot of pressure around that and also how older women are disregarded and when I say older women I mean I'm I've turned 40 last year and I know that's not by any means any age like I, I, I don't believe it is um when I was in my 20s I would have thought I was ancient but I do feel that we regard age and especially women in a terrible way and it and it's got very old origins in my personal opinion I don't know if you're of the same thoughts on this Callie Oh, I could talk for hours about this. <laughs> um, yeah, 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 yeah. What you're what you're speaking to is something really important. And if we think about value, so how how are we valued? We we've we've it's like because we've lost our ancestral connection, which which over the you know which gives us a sense of who we are. It's like we're then more vulnerable to believing what society tells us who yes. we are and, and what and what we see. I mean, you know, that is youth centric media is everywhere. Like, you know, I grew up with it. You, I'm, I'm 10 years on from you. You've grown up with it. It's still going on. Like changes are being made, but it mm. still goes on that the value women's value is it's two things it's your sexual attractiveness right and your yes. ability to 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 procreate um and it's your ability to care for others um so so you know our our, our life experience our wisdom our creativity our intelligence you know all of that has kind of was like you know this we it was cut off it wasn't wasn't it hasn't been recognized hasn't been valued it's like we've been valued on those two things and and therefore older women have absolutely no value once you've gone through menopause once you can't take care of you know once you can't give birth anymore yeah then you're you're of no value to to society um and you know there's an indigenous piece of wisdom around this which is if you want to destroy the village if you want to destroy the tribe and the village the easiest way to do that is to take out the grandmother lodge wow because the grandmothers the, the you know the indigenous people knew that the 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 crone call it you know crone wisdom crone coming from the word crowned um the, that yeah. crone wisdom was vital to the survival of the tribe and and it and it's vital because you know I I, I the, all of this work came th through for me as I was going through my perimenopause, mm -hmm. and now as and uh, now as a menopausal woman and now all you know all the symptoms have settled, like I I, I can't tell you, Carly, I have never felt better. I, my, my you know I I feel 
so like the best in myself I've ever felt like I know who I am I know what I'm about I know what interests me I'm not bothered about having to fit in anymore um I I can I can hold paradox like I can you know the live and let live I can see that the beauty and the diversity of life like all of this like the menopause is a you know it's our third rite of passage as women starting yeah. our menses is the first one giving birth is the second and then menopause and you know and again it like it's 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 it, it, it i know it can be hard right it's physically yeah. really hard for lots of women but if we can bring in the spiritual aspect of it rather than just focus on the physical changes in our bodies it's a it's a portal to mm. and a gateway to so much more wisdom and a shift you know shifted perspective on life and and a completely different sense of of who we are um and and how we can bring value right and so it, um and I yeah so you know it is there's men lots of menopause work coming through now which is great it's up to us to bring it back it's up to us to really you know start talking about it again start sharing our stories about it and and for to to really start questioning the societal and cultural ideals of what a woman is like we are more than our looks and our sexual attractiveness that you know that that is part of it and that is important that you know that is important like our, our, when we are when we're when we're fully connected to that it's powerful like our you know our our inner aphrodite or the temptress energy i call it like that when we're younger that it's it's it, there's a deep connection with our creative life force energy and you know that's been shut down the you know womb work is important for this um, yeah. and that that energy is still there when we go through menopause and beyond but it it manifests differently you know and I, I it I found it hard like I still find it hard like I'm losing my looks and I don't get looked at by men in the same way and it's like oh my god like I don't know how to be in the world anymore right so it's a bit of a journey like I'm having to navigate that and find out and how do I be like how do I you know my relationship with men and what you know what does that mean and and other women and young women and older women and like where do I fit like it's there's nothing wrong with it and it's not easy and that it's for me it's like that's the it's the gift of being human it's like wow like we're finding this stuff out um and older women like that we have a role to play in holding the younger generations in you know in we again we like what's happened is you go to women's circles and often it's all women of the same age and I you know I've, I've been to some where I'm in the middle and there's some you know there's some late teenagers and then there's some like 70 odd year olds and the 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 depth of what's shared it, it, it's mind blowing when we've got we need all generations like we need kids to be interested in their grandparents stories and grandparents to be interested in the kids 
experiences now and it's 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 hard now because you know if you go back a hundred years the life that you were living wasn't really that different to potentially what your grandparents lived like the diff yeah you know the difference wasn't so great now whereas now with technology you know our grand our gran grandparents often you know the kids are like you know ba babies are on ipads <laughs> yeah, like yeah, gran yeah grandparents don't even know what an ipad is kind of thing you yeah. know so it, it's like how do we find the common ground again where we can meet and you know and it's through tell it's the heart stories it's telling the, the stories of our experiences that's important so you know all hail the crone like uh, you know oh, I'm, yes. I'm coming into that and I you know and I can see how I in my life have like poo-pooed older women like oh what do you know old woman kind of thing um because that's how I, what I was conditioned to believe and also because older women haven't been given the the opportunity to be of value <laughs> you know wisdom just because we're old doesn't mean that we're wise that we're an elder it's like we yeah. gotta we do have to put the work in um and then it's like what you know what do, what do we do with that so you know for me it's about it's about sharing this work it's about supporting younger women to 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 you know to to look inside to do the shadow work to do the hard work to uh, to hold them through that um you know asking the right questions the 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 inner inquiry that we need to make because it's through the shadows that we get to the light right we we have we can't avoid it we have to know grief we can't you can't be a wise elder you can't be a crone unless you've done your grief work your rage work your fear work your you face death you know all of this stuff it's like we run to the hills from it because yeah. we you know no one wants to feel that stuff of course we don't want to <laughs> feel it we want pleasure we want you know we want life to be good but there's something when we when we when we feel it in community when we feel it in circle it, it's somehow it's not so bad <laughs> and I know that might sound crazy but no no we've all got it we've yeah. all got it we've all got our own versions of it and when we share it we realize we're not alone and it takes the sting out and we find the beauty in it you know there's a, a one of the a great teacher for me around the topic of death um, is Stephen Jenkinson and uh, I think his website's called Orphan Wisdom, if anyone's interested. But, you know, his his saying is death is the cradle of life. Like if we're not if we haven't contemplated and faced death, if we haven't if we don't have a relationship with death, if death isn't somehow part of our awareness and our lives, we're not fully living. We're just running from death. We're just distracting ourselves. So I'm writing on death at the moment for a book that I'm doing and I absolutely agree with you and I'll look into that because I couldn't agree more I feel like making friends with death helps you live yeah. <laughs> actually makes living more richer and more and more rewarding I mean just there's one thing I wanted to hark back to on that conversation Callie which is about the elders and about 
some of the kind of collective issues that we've got really briefly going to just touch on this it's really funny because I don't want to kind of a bit of ancestral healing I'm doing is I've got a grandma she'll never listen to this I can say this who still still is obsessed with aging plastic surgery things like that but fortunately my grandma my mother sorry is you know she is like an embodiment of the crone and and you know and we've talked about menopause we talked about aging I feel well equipped on that through the relationship with my mum and you know it's funny for her because she didn't have anyone to give her that she's got the opposite with my grandma um, but I feel like a little bit for perhaps my generation, every generation had their own kind of collective issues with growing up as a female. Um, back Thinking back on the 90s at the moment, I'm doing a lot of deprogramming with myself around back in the 90s, we had the whole Ledette culture. We were all trying to drink, you know, our male counterparts under the table. We were all trying to look like porn stars, you know, like Jordan and different, you know, and Nicole Smith and people like that. And I know that still happens today, you know, it happens in every generation. But I think for me, it's like now with a 16 year old, we've talked so much about dressing for yourself and not necessarily for others or for men or you know mm. and and me having to really deprogram myself in regards to am I wearing this for myself or is it for the eyes of a man and things like that which sounds ridiculous just saying it out loud but it's there like it's really ingrained you know um and what you said about either you know Callie's beautiful by the way I'm looking at a picture of her as we're doing this Zoom interview <laughs> but I understand what you mean about aging and coming to terms with yourself in your different place in the world because yeah it's certainly sort of a theme that I've been looking at and um you know looking at my side of of my journey but also with my daughter at 16 and I feel it's so important that we have these conversations with our parents our grandparents about navigating each different stage like the menopause which can be terrifying if you never you know if, if you're ahead of it um if it's ahead of you rather even for things like with our our younger girls like before they come to the age of of, of periods like really talking them through what to expect and so they're not there just you know with blood appearing thinking that they're dying and so on like it, I think these conversations are ones that throughout history you know we've really many of us have shied away from and um they are so powerful, especially as connection topics, which can be difficult, but, but very needed. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a lucky woman you are to have the mother that you do. And, oh, um, so lucky. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's, there's, there's no, it's like, you know, we are where we are and it's seeing, it's seeing how things are passed down and your, you know, your grandmother is like that because that's how she was taught to be in order to yeah. survive, you know, that's what, yeah. well, that's important. Like my, my mother's the same. She's in her eighties. She's like, she's so well-dressed and, you know, she's always got her jewelry on and nice clothes and it, that it re it matters to her how she looks because that was, you know that was how she was conditioned that was the life she led and it served her well and so it's like 
it's tenderly this work it's tender this work you know it's like not judging or criticizing criticizing yeah. so much but just, just understanding and then questioning for ourselves who am I who do I want to be what feels right for me and you know we all want to fit in somewhere we all want to belong yeah um yeah. but 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 we need to have you know, it's 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 the work to strengthen our own identity of who we are and what we're here for and where we want to put our energy and our time and how we want to contribute to our, our community or to, to society. Like, wh where can we add value? How can we be a good person? How can we be a good ancestor? You know, you talked about story like some this this the stories that we hear of people like what are the stories you want future generations to to tell about you um you know like you know ultimately what's important most important is our relationship with ourself and and finding who we are and what matters to us and how we want to dress and you know like anything goes these days really um yeah. <laughs> unlike the victorian times things yeah. are, you know things are much more open so we can you know there's lots of different styles and maybe we'll be a ladette for a while and maybe we'll be more jordan for a while and maybe you know it yeah. doesn't matter it's like it's all part of the journey the experimentation and and i think it's it's for the elders it's for the wise women to hold to hold and knowing that life is a journey and just because you were a ladette when you were 21 doesn't mean you're going to be a ladette forever exactly that and yeah. it's very much like also the message of live and let live I think it's understanding when because I'm all for you do what you want to do if you want to go and you know with my nan like whatever she wants to get done it's differentiating is she are you yeah like are you with me this is coming back to how I'm reflecting on things for me as well like kind of that that similar message am I doing this for me or am I doing this for that old kind of instilled belief I've got that is very um kind of media or you know it's, it's very much yeah. been drummed into me I must look like this I will be more attractive if I do this am I dressing like this am I wearing this I guess we could say that with anything we want to get done to ourselves or or how we want to look and am I doing it for me you know um yeah. and I guess as well that comes back to when we were talking about um funnily you know talking about the um Hyacinth bouquet member of my family who eradicated people from the timeline <laughs> it's funny because the people that she's eradicated are the ones that my side of the like my family are like oh but they're really interesting like they're the ones I actually want to find out about because normally they've done something pretty scandalous or interesting as and we're like I you know I love a misfit I love the outcasts because they're the ones that resonate with how you know a little element of my own energy I guess so which is why I think by kind of looking back through um through this is really it's fascinating because you do find members of family that you're like, I really relate to you. Like, I feel your spirit is still there. And we're going to have ancestors, hopefully, that might look at us and think, oh, my goodness, look at, you know, look at how they were meant to be like and how they might have changed the path of our family's history. And maybe they relocated, maybe they married into this mad family or all these different things that we might do that will 
you know, be very interesting for our future yeah. ancestors to look back on. So we are also part of this tapestry of, of, our, of our family and our lineage and, and ancestors. Yeah, absolutely. And, and maybe your role in the family dynamic is to bring back the wild and bring, you know, bring in the, bring in the rebel. <laughs> oh, I hope so. <laughs> break, the, break the patterns, you know, break the patterns of having to conform. <laughs> absolutely. And that kind of brings you back to, like you were saying about the witch title. As I've got further into it, I think I've also questioned am I a witch or am I a, a woman who just loves the aspect of being the misfit, the outcast, the one that was classed as different? Does that make sense? You know, over, yeah. I, you know, I always, I'm always very humbled along on my witchcraft journey or just my journey as a woman in general, my journey through life. And I'm always happy to go back and look at things that I might've been very vocal on before and think, uh, you know, am I this? Am I that? What is my craft? How does this relate to what I'm doing now? Um, and, and, you know, not everybody is comfortable. And I know we might talk a little bit on this in regards to the work that you're doing, Hallie. Not everybody is comfortable with the title witch, because in times of old, it was given as a derogatory word, like a, you know, an awful word to hear about yourself. Um, so there is a lot of, of wounding still with that word anyway. Um, I think this is kind of a key time, Kelly, for me to ask you. Another area that you talk a lot on within your work is around the archetype of the witch. What can you share with us in respect of that and also how it relates to the work that you're doing currently? Um, okay, so... Um... I, oh gosh, so archetypes are, so the word, right, the word witch, yes, there's like for some of us, it's really easy, it's like, yes, I'm a witch and I love being a witch and we can ident, we can take, we can take the name, you know, with ease and with pride and, um, and it, and it's, it's a really positive thing. And then for others, like there, there's a, there is still a lot of fear in the collective around the around the word because if you were going to if you were called a witch in the past, like none of the women that were persecuted uh, or people, men too, none of the yeah. people persecuted as witches would have called themselves witches. Yeah. Right. Um, so you know, being called a witch could lead to your death. So I, it, for me, the identity it's a it's a question of identity and and it, it it's been a really interesting journey to explore like what does it mean and how do I feel about it and like if someone asks me if I'm a witch I'm like it depends who's asking and why you know yeah um, so my my work over the last few years has been gathering women to understand what happened during the the witch hunts the burning times um and and understand how the trauma from those times is passed down through the generations and basically you know what trauma does is separates us um mm -hmm. we did and, and so i talk about three wounds of separation from self from nature from each other so uh, my work has been around 
understanding that and be, and beginning to heal that and it's a you know it's a lifelong journey but I, one of the things i offer is an eight week online course called healing the burning times i'm, I'm going to start another round of it in september so if anyone's interested have a look at, you can have a look on the website and find out more about that so we kind of we connect with our ancestors we start by putting the roots down connecting with our ancestors way back reconnecting the t the lineage the blood lineages and then so that we've got support before we head into the burning times and then facing into the trauma wounds of separation. So it's kind of like a, it's a journey, right? I take you, I'm going to, I take you on a journey and there's lots of invitations for you to do things like homework things to, 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 to think things to bring into your own practice. Um, so that can be quite a, a good place to start what's then what's now coming through is this piece around archetypes so it's like okay there's a witch's revival happening like more and more of us are being called to the witch right there's there's mm -hmm. you, you know we see that on instagram and facebook and like this your amazing podcast like you know it's gone wild and oh, there's, there's others <laughs> and you know there's 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 so many more books when this came through for me in 20 it was 17 18 or whenever like there were hardly any books about witches and now like yeah. you go you know yeah. there's like thousands so there's something's happening like it's coming up again in the collective mm -hmm. and at the same time it, it th these are really difficult times right there's a lot of change happening there's a lot of confusion things are breaking down you know the you know uh, like we don't, the political system the education the nhs you know like our whole world is changing it's it, it's it, it's yeah we're, we're in chaos and when yeah. we're when in times like that like we're part of the collective so we're feeling it right there's an energetic field that we're part of it's like the water we're swimming in is it's when, when there's so much change and confusion it can be really easy to lose ourselves to lose yeah. connection with who we are and what matters and what's right and archetypes are a, 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 a fantastic a, a really powerful way of helping us know who we are and who we want to be and so what I'm and an archetype is like it, it's an it's the original pattern it's the original form of something um it was a, a, a concept and a, a term coined by Carl Jung back in the early 1900s as he started to evolve depth psychology and and it's a it's a pattern that's universally recognized so mother is a is an archetype the hero is an archetype the villain is an archetype like when I say those words they evoke an image and a feeling in everybody like we can all we can imagine what the mother is we can imagine what the hero is so with the witches like that we we talk about the 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 healer and the and and the midwife and the crone and you know the the, the so they 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 all they're, they're they in themselves are archetypes so yeah. what i'm what i'm kind of doing now is pulling that together into a journey that so it's like we heal the wounds but then how do we really empower ourselves how do we step into into more of our you know what it means to be a witch so i i've 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 got a, i'm working on a so we've got a four-day event coming up called the witch's revival it's in lancaster 
on the anniversary of the Pendle Witch Trials. So we're going to honour the Pendle Witches and then have like a whole lot of workshops and talks and an emporium and um, we've got a live show and what what's at the heart of it is a it's it's not really an exhibition it's an experience so you're going to come into a big room it's like the witch's house you're going to come into the witch's house and you're going to meet the archetypes of the witch and there's seven of them and they spell the word witches so we've got wise woman intuitive temptress creatrix healer earth keeper and sister and it's almost like the witch is at the center of all of those and all of those sub archetypes if you like are aspects of who we are as a witch as we are working to claim our identity or reclaim our identity and step into our work in the world as a witch like these the, these sub archetypes if you like can help us find that power and knowing and wisdom so you, you come into the room and you visit, there's like a, an installation for each one, the world of each one. And with the, and it's done in a way that's participatory. So there's invitations for you to answer questions and write things and do things and make offerings and ritual and stuff. So it's kind of going to be a beautiful, a sacred space. Like it's a place for us to ask some of the deeper questions, just to sit, to to. To, to contemplate who we are and how the each of these archetypes show up in us or don't like maybe they're they're repressed in us like the temptress like loads of people go oh you know don't like her and that's because of the conditioning but actually there's a side of the temptress that's really powerful and needed so like the, all of these archetypes have something positive to offer us um, so that's that it's called return of the witches and it's like a mini, it's like a, an experiential exhibition, if you like. Um, so that's going to be at the heart of the revival. And then, so you say you come in and you want to get to know your healer in more, in more depth. You want to find out more about your wise woman, for example. Then all of the talks and the workshops are, are designed to help you do that. And we have some phenomenal people coming. Like I reached out to so, you know, women I knew that were working deeply, that knew their stuff, that were experienced at holding the space for all of the shadow stuff to come up, you know, as well as the, you know, as the, as the gateway to empowerment. You know, so, so we've got Lucy Pierce coming over from Ireland. I don't know, you, lots of your readers will know her books. Yes. Um, you know, yeah. Burning Woman and Moon Time and Creatrix. And, so, um, so she's coming with a couple of her authors, um, uh, Sarah and Sarah Robinson, who's written Yoga for Witches, and Carly Mountain, who works with the, the you know, the Anana story of descent and rising and sex magic. Um, and we've got the Seed Sisters coming up, all about herbal connection and and medicine. We've got Edwina Hodkinson who's, uh, and Tammy Brett who are doing things about menopause. Um, we've, got, we've got talks on death, on his, the historical aspects of the, of the witch hunts. Um, the, we've got a woman coming, there's two women coming to do a talk about the modern day witch hunts in Africa and India. We've got um, someone talking, gonna, she's just written a book about the Pendle story. So she's gonna be talking about that. 
like it's just it's like I want to be in every single session <laughs> it's like Me we've got <laughs> we've got you know there's dance workshops there's um receipt book workshops that's that's an ancestral connection piece um you know so some kind of unusual things it's not all it's not just kind of you know yoga and reiki and all chilling out together it's like this is a place where we can come together in we're gonna we'll start each day in with a big session a big opening ceremony we'll all get you know drop the inhibitions get to know each other um set our intentions for the day and um and call in the ancestors and then off we go to work there's three workshops and talks each day that you can attend and there's like a choice of four running at the same time um, and then we have a beautiful emporium, which is so that our theme is about is reclaiming what we lost. So it's about reclaiming the parts of ourselves that, that we've lost. And then and some of the, the old skills and crafts. So we've got a beautiful emporium of creative women that, that are making and, you know, crafting and, you know, high quality stuff like baskets and artwork and books and skincare and jewelry and, you know, all of that. So that's going to be really beautiful. And then two of the women that uh, there's four of us that are, are bringing this, that, that are working on this together. Um, so Lindsay Tidbury and Sarah Carter are, they've written a whole show. Lindsay's a songstress with a, a voice that just heals the soul like you know it's honey to the heart she's just got this incredible gift and Sarah Carter is a somatic movement facilitator and a, and a dance artist um, and you know with years of experience in choreography and dance and theatre the two of them have written a, a new live show called Witch Story. So it's, you know, like you've heard of his story, we've heard of her yeah. story, now this is Witch Story. Um, so that's going to be a, a really powerful evening. Um, and then, and Paula is the, the fourth member of the team, Paula uh, Fox Valsler, who her work's all about um, the nude awakening so reclaiming the temptress so she's kind of she's you know she's co-organizing but also bringing some of her temptress energy to it so we've got we're three days in the story in Lancaster opposite the castle for all of that and then on the fourth day on the Sunday which is the actual anniversary of the hangings we're having a day of remembrance um, so we start the gardens and then we're going to we're going to go to the castle we're going to have a ceremony for the the, the Lancaster witches and then we're going to take a, a sacred walk a pilgrimage walk from the castle up to Gallows Hill which is now called Williamson Park um have a picnic lunch and a whole load of kind of ritual celebration um if, like some you know it's, it's like the the morning is the serious honoring part and then we do a bit of dancing and we come into celebrating the reclamation of the witch in ourselves in the afternoon so yeah it's like a it's a big thing and you can come for one day you can come for two days you can come for four days or the, the saturday tickets are there's not many left for workshops um if you just want to come on a general admission ticket you can just they're 20 pounds for that you get into the return of the witches archetype realm which you can just 
you could spend all day in there. There's enough in there to fill a day if you're going to go deep. And then the, you can, and then you, you get into the emporium and then into the garden. So we, we can create a beautiful garden for sharing. And we've got an ancestral yurt and a bell, te- a red tent and the, the sitting around the fire. So for 20 quid, you can come and do a few years of therapy. <laughs> I, I love that. <laughs> and just you know and, and hope I hope anyway and and just be in the in the energy of you know a woman's space and all are welcome but it is predominantly a, a woman's space and um you know of sisterhood of support of sharing our stories of dropping the masks getting real we're going to laugh together we're going to cry together we're going to sing we're going to you know when women gather magic happens as they say so that's the witch's revival in a nutshell. Um, you can also yeah. have a week, you can have access, can't you, for all the days? Because one thing I wanted to say is for everything that's being done here, the prices are amazing. When I first looked at everything that you can, obviously in the show notes, I'm going to put links for everything so you can see what's on. I am going, I am beyond excited. There is so <laughs> many things that I want to go to. Honestly, I couldn't get over this is the this is you know the first event in ages that I've been to that is a witchy one and I'm incredibly excited and it's not just going to be for you know if, if you don't class yourself as a witch I, I don't think you need to be uh you know practicing witch so if you are a witch and you've got muggle friends that you want to bring along there's something in it for everybody um I'm you know I just am so over overwhelmed with I'm just amazed at all the exciting things that are going to be happening. And I'm going to be there for the whole four days. So I'm very excited. (laughs) And there couldn't be anyone more respectful to honour, obviously, you know, the pendle with the the remembrance of this. I think Callie is like the best person to do this work because she's very sensitive to how these, you know, how this affects women today, how this affects all of us today. But also, you know, the way that you've set this out, the way that it's been uh, created, I think it's incredibly respectful. You've made it accessible for everybody. You know, it's not, it, I just think it's, it's it couldn't, be, couldn't have been done by somebody better, to be honest. Oh, thank you. And I, I you know, I feel pretty honoured that you're going to make the trip all the way from the other side of the country just to, you know, to come and be with us. And it's going to be great to have you. And yeah, I, I, every it's a calling right it's I've had women emailing like oh I've got to, I've just seen this I've got to come so you know it's it it's a calling and it's you don't have to identify as a witch to to find it useful of course <laughs> so Absolutely. yeah I, it's exciting two weeks to go now so come and yeah if anyone's get your bored, tickets yeah get your Run, tickets, yeah. Will get your yeah. ticket and if you are a witch oh my goodness I think we're going to be like in witch heaven it's going to be witchy as hell <laughs> 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 no honestly I but I'm genuinely excited there are some amazing amazing people here I'm also very interested in the course that you're doing I recently signed up to your um is it hollow the bones that you did the, yeah. the ancestral ceremony um yeah. so there's I've been following Callie's work for wow for over a year before you did the exhibition last year and I just I I wanted to reach out to you before but when I saw the witch's revival I had to I was like oh my goodness I'm just so interested in what you're doing and it's so 
it's so needed basically it's just so needed and I love that you are yeah bringing together not only all the people doing the workshop but I just feel that there's going to be so many interesting conversations and healing and so on that comes from yes. it I think yeah I know. yeah yeah definitely. yeah uh, it, yeah it's a it's a place you know like-minded women and and then the, you know there's something about us all like when we feel when we feel we're not alone when we feel like we're connected to to this um and there's support for it then that that's how we take our magic out into the real world you know it's like how do we take what we what we're learning what we're practicing out into the you know out of the workshop and into the real world so that that that's the thing it's like it's time for action it's time to bring your gifts and um and we need support for that so that 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 creating that sense of support is is also kind of at the heart of it so yeah and if anything i hope this podcast interview has helped some of our witches to aim to be the wild women in the ancestral timeline for the future ancestors Ooh, yes the wild women are needed <laughs> for sure the earth keepers the earth keepers are needed yeah well from one wild woman to another I'm so grateful you came on Tally there are so many I know I'm going to listen back to this there are so many nuggets of wisdom and things that you've inspired here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Guide me with, and I'm sure all our listeners. So, thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you for having me.